ghoulish mortals to Let's Be Real's spooky season with your ghoulish host, Trevor George. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to another spooky episode of what's the name of my show? Let's be real. <laughs> uh, today, I am really happy and excited because I have a returning guest and a very close friend of mine who I haven't seen in about four months. So it's good to see his face again. So please welcome Christopher Kent. So hello, hey Trevor, what's up? Oh, you know, same old, same old, chilling and killing. Yeah, I know we just talked about it right before we got on here, but it's only been four months since I've seen you, but it feels like forever. I know it feels over like over a year ago that I left Illinois, but I have to remind myself too, it's like I'm still getting readjusted, or not readjusted, I'm getting adjusted and established in Austin. It's like, why am I not like fully like solidified here yet? But it's like, oh shit, it's been like three and a half months. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it feels like you've been there forever and you should have everything ready to go. Like, but Figure it out. So usually how I introduce people is I always ask them like a favorite memory we have together, this and that. But since it's Halloween, I want to ask you, do you have a favorite Halloween memory um, growing up or like recently? Or do you have fun Halloween plans coming up this year? Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of all three of them. You know, I I was thinking back about Halloweens and what it was like when I was younger. And I my family was never big on Halloween. And I hesitate to say that because I know you love it so much, but we were never that, that really big on Halloween, but we would go to um, like trunk or treats and do those kind of things where people, you know, they'd park their cars in a big parking lot and decorate the trunks of their cars. And that's where we'd go and do our, our trick or treating instead of going from like house to house. So I remember doing that with my brother and my mom, you know, several years in a row, we'd go and go to those trunk or treats. And that was kind of like our trick or treat and our Halloween thing really is was just going to all those trunk or treats so that's my you know my my memory of halloween we, got, we went a couple times just around our neighborhood and stuff like that but i don't know just people in the area weren't really big on it so we went to those different events and then uh one that kind of ties into you know our, our our topic today but i remember i don't think it was maybe it was around halloween or whatnot but i remember i was house sitting that one time and we <gasps> i forgot about you, this story, you yes. watched <laughs> yeah you showed me halloween like the original halloween movie for the first time but the thing was we were there i think it was the same night that we watched the movie and i was house sitting so it wasn't my place and somehow or other i was showing you around the, the place and we got locked out of the it house it wasn't we it was my we fault because out. we went onto the back like sunroom or whatever and i shut the door behind me because there were cats out there and i was like oh maybe they're not supposed to go in the house and as soon as i was shutting the door you're like oh don't shut that and i shut it and then we got locked out and then we were stuck yeah and it was of course it was dark and it was outside and you know it fit the spooky vibes of halloween and we <laughs> ended up finding a key in like a barn or something like a sketchy barn yeah. all the lights were out there's like well, horse stalls and stuff yeah, I, we went into this like garage, like really sketchy looking garage, and I like broke into a couple of their vehicles, <laughs> and I, then I found like a yeah. thing of keys, and I was like, one of these has to be their house key. Come on now, 
So it took a few attempts, but we finally found the right key and broke back in. Yeah, like what are the odds of that? So that was a, another, you know, fun Halloween memory. And uh, this year, for the first time in a long time, I have plans with some some work friends. And we're going to have a, oh, a cool. big Halloween party. And so the first time in a long time, we're going to dress up. Well, I'm going to dress up. I don't normally wear a, a costume, but we kind of got everything planned out and ready to go. So I'm looking forward to that. It's next weekend for me. Um, just being able to dress up, go out, have some fun. What are you going to dress up as? I am going to be the Grim Reaper. Oh, cool. And then you can be two... like a sexy Grim Reaper. Oh, of course. Yeah. Shirtless. Good. Got a little robe oh, on. Good. Yeah. Good. It's going to be really good. Well, that's fun. I wish we could do something for Halloween this year because I feel like in years past, we have done pumpkin patches together. Um, we watched our dear friend Michael Snyder <laughs> cracked out of his mind eating. <laughs> <laughs> apple cider donuts man that was so funny we're on that tractor ride and he had the like the powdered sugar all over his face and what was it uh apple cider donuts well, apple he was trying donuts. to say he was trying to tell us what the best three things about fall are <laughs> and he takes like a huge bite really dramatically and then he goes you know the best three things about fall and then we all lose it we don't even know what the best three things about fall were <laughs> and then like even people on the hayride were laughing that didn't know us so like, <laughs> I don't know. That's one of my favorite memories of him. Yeah, that was fun. That was how many years ago was that? That was a while well, ago. I, that that was the day we went to go see um, the first Halloween of this yes. trilogy. Yep. So that was 2018. Well, anyway, I'm glad you're back on the podcast. And I thought it was fitting to talk Halloween ends with you because we saw... Uh, the first two of this trilogy in theaters together. Uh, I want to talk about actually another memory we have together. I want to talk <laughs> about when we went to go see Halloween Kills last year together. That was an experience in of itself because for one, the movie was really bad, but also um, the movie theater was like off the chain. Like yeah. I, it was a group of like children in the theater with us. Yeah. Half of them were rooting for Michael to slaughter these people. And I, I feel like as a child, I would have been really traumatized watching this. But these kids, I don't know what's wrong with kids today, but the gore and the the manslaughter and all this shit doesn't bother them. Yeah, I heard him talking. Kids are talking about Michael Myers just this week. I heard him talking about it and everything. And I was like, this is, are you not scared? Are you not scared of this guy? This should be scary. But yeah, I don't know. People are wilding out. I remember that the theater was nuts. And yeah. I feel like we've been to a couple of different movies together where people have gone a little crazy. But that was, what was the other one. I feel like when we saw The Last Jedi. Were people crazy that night? Remember we took a big group and we were in the big yeah. theater. And people were just being loud and rambunctious, I feel like. Oh, maybe. I just remember Liz uh, going to the bathroom and then she didn't know where we were. And she walked all the way down to the front of the theater <laughs> and back. Which is we watched then, her come down and back. All right. So... Like I said, Kent and I had seen the first two Halloweens together, so I thought it was fitting, since we couldn't see this one together in theaters, since we live in different states now, um, I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. So let's talk Halloween ends. I always want to say Halloween kills, but Halloween ends. So Halloween ends, um, what were your expectations going into this movie? I was really excited and really expecting kind of a big finish, Um, or not really a big finish but a big crescendo and then a continuation as it should be because michael myers the boogeyman never dies um so i was really expecting a lot actually i really expected a big like i said big finish or big crescendo kind of topping off this trilogy with these characters that we've we've been with for a long time um 
and I don't know. I, I this is I was this is kind of one of the only kind of Halloween esque or spooky type franchises that I've really been invested in. Like I haven't really watched Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth or anything like that. Um, so I was really invested and involved in it, and you know excited to see it and just ready for that kind of cap on the end of this this series. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, going into this movie, I had low expectations because I, I was not a fan of the last movie. It, it's crazy because like I really enjoyed the first of this trilogy. So going into Halloween Kills, I had high expectations, even though I knew it was a Halloween sequel. So I was like, well, I don't know. But this one, it's like, well, the way Halloween Kills was, I wasn't like going in very optimistic. But I think that's a good way to approach this movie, too, is like going kind of with lower expectations. But since it was Jamie Lee Curtis's final film and final role as Laurie Strode, you know, that kind of... That really was intriguing to me to see, like, what they were going to do with Laurie in her final run in a Halloween movie. So let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about J- Jamie Lee Curtis's final performance as Laurie Strode. So she's been playing this character for 44 years. Uh, this has been a very emotional experience for her because she's saying goodbye. It's a big part of her. And she said in interviews, too, that she is Laurie Strode at this point because uh, I believe she was 19 when she played her in the original. What do you think of Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode in her final run as Laurie? I, I'm i pretty sure I've told you this before, but... Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. I'm not a that huge fan of Jamie Lee Curtis. I that is very is. unpatriotic of you. I know. What has she I done don't. to you? Nothing. I don't. There's no specific thing I can say that I I don't like. Did eating say, too but... much Activia make you go poopy too much? Yeah, I just got it's got a bad feeling about. It. I don't know. But well, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis loves you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, but despite my dislike, or maybe I wouldn't say dislike. I don't know. It's a little strong my preference your hatred yeah yeah <laughs> despite all that uh, i really liked her in this one and i think she did a very good job especially portraying um lori kind of on uh, what we would think to be the other side of some things of course you know throughout the whole movie she's she knows that michael's still out there she knows that michael's gonna come back but everyone kind of thinks it's over and it's done with and he's he's dealt with but i think it was really cool to see her you know, having spent her whole life dealing with Michael and all the things that come with that being toward the end of it and working on her book and having the house and just living with her granddaughter and really living, you know, that good life, especially because I feel like in the last movie, um, Halloween kills with everything that happened with her daughter and her family and stuff, she really was just like off the rails and struggling and stressed and like Mm -hmm. super high strung. So to see her a few years later now and kind of settled in and, really ready to deal with everything as it comes and, you know, doing some things to, uh, you know, self-help things to improve herself and getting, this, you know, these things to focus on and hobbies and everything. I don't know. I just really cool to see her, especially in contrast to the last movie, um, how she had kind of settled in and kind of adjusted. And then of course we got, yeah. you know, a big kind of end to the Laurie Strode um, storyline. And I just, I, I, I really did, think she did a fantastic job and really great in this movie so that's a a a little check on my box of the actually liking jamie lee curtis in this one so you're shaking your head at me here yep um 
No, that's no, I agree. Not that I don't agree about not liking JK. I'm like, can't even fucking. I, anyway, so uh, (laughs) I can't talk. But I would say, like, one of the things I really enjoyed about this trilogy as a whole is this trilogy is about trauma um, and PTSD from a very traumatic experience. And I love that they ignored the other sequels and just made this trilogy a direct sequel to the original film. Um, And it's pretty much like, uh, what Jamie Lee Curtis said before in interviews, it's like, you know, back in the 70s, people didn't talk about mental health or, you know, trauma like we do today. So she always envisioned Lori after what happened Halloween night in 1978. She went back to school the following week and just everybody pretended like nothing happened and she had to get back and readjusted to life. But as you don't work on your mental health and as life goes on and you still have this trauma, it's going to unravel in your brain. And she played Lori really well done and i think halloween and halloween kills is a very unhinged broken woman who loves her daughter and granddaughter who loves her family but she just can't emotionally be there for them because she can't even be there for herself so i thought it was cool in halloween ends that she has been working on her trauma she has been getting more acclimated into a life post michael even though she didn't it's kind of like michael just or michael did vanish for four years post Halloween kills so I think at that time she just had those years to like figure out life I guess and I think having her granddaughter helped from the story but um I like I really liked I really liked that theme throughout the trilogy of trauma and um where you go from here and do you let it consume your life or do you control it and grow from it so um I really liked that they did that with Lori because in previous sequels with jamie lee curtis as laurie sometimes it was just kind of there was elements of like she had trauma like in halloween h2o but she moved on from very traumatic experiences pretty quickly (laughs) so it was kind of cool to make this more realistic in that way and i feel like she was a different same person but she had a different like role in each movie like the first movie was very focused on her the second movie she was kind of sidelined and this movie i would say she was kind of like in between sidelined and main character um if that made sense. But uh, let's talk about David Gordon Green, the director of this trilogy. So did you like how he handled writing and creating this trilogy? Do you think he was the right choice to continue the Halloween franchise? Um, Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen the original Halloween and then I've watched this trilogy. So I I haven't seen all the other in-betweens that um, happened after that. And I think... I haven't, I mean, the first time, first and one time I watched Halloween Kills is when we went and saw it. So I don't have a good memory of it exactly, but I feel like that was kind of one of the ones, it, I feel like it happens a few times here where you'll have a really strong first movie and then the second movie, the middle movie, it just doesn't seem like it quite fits with everything until you get the third one. And then it kind of makes a little more sense when they all come together. Um, I think that's part of the planning of the trilogy and having the, the whole story kind of mapped out, you know, and so there's no... I don't know i did enjoy it but that in between time of waiting between the movies and how some things didn't really make sense and you didn't really understand why choices were made in certain ways um kind of skewed the view of it i think for a while but now looking back and seeing everything come together i think it was it was i i think it was well done and well put together and i um i except for this one to be honest which we can talk about a little bit later, I think, but I wasn't um, displeased with the way the story was told and what was told in the story. I feel like this one kind of took a little turn um, 
as far as it kind of got away from like Michael and Lori and really focused on some other characters for a little bit. But I did like the, you know, the progression from the first and the second. And then we kind of had the end here again is a little weird. Um, but I, you know, I think the story arc did end up coming together pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he was a decent choice. I kind of liked that he paid homage each film to the original three Halloween movies. So like the first Halloween was the most beloved. It's more of a straightforward story. Um, Lori at the center and uh, the original, the Halloween 2018 version had very similar beats story-wise to the original Halloween. And then Halloween kills was very similar to Halloween two from 1981, I believe. It's set in a hol- it's set the same night of the original. Uh, it's set in a hospital. Lori's kind of sidelined. It's more graphic, more gruesome. Michael's more unhinged, um, gorier, and it's also like not as beloved as the original. So um, there's a lot of backlash with the original Halloween two, and then with Halloween Kills, there's a lot of backlash. And it felt like after like looking into like David's you know the way he mapped out this story it kind of feels like that was intentional to piss off people with Halloween kills and then with Halloween 3 this is the most interesting to me is Halloween 3 season of the witch didn't even have Michael in it if they were trying to do an anthology thing where they were going to do different Halloween stories um, but nobody liked it back then so then they brought Michael back so I this movie had a similar was definitely paying homage to that film in some ways because Michael wasn't in this one as much um it deals with the death of a child at the core, um, or at least it ignites the story, a death of a child. Um, and I even noticed too, in the uh, title sequence in this movie, the letters are in blue and that's the same for Halloween three season of the witch. Um, so there's little like hints and it's like this story was very inspired by the original three Halloween movies. Um, but I will say my only gripe about that is I feel like a lot of people today, feel like they always have to pay homage all the time to previous work if they're continuing a franchise. Like, that was the downfall of the sequel trilogy for Star Wars is it paid too much homage and it wasn't telling that much of an original story. Um, I would say this one didn't... This one was more of an original story than what we got in, like, the sequel trilogy for Star Wars, but um, I feel like sometimes the story beats were too similar at times. Um... I feel like with Halloween Kills, and I'm going to bring up Michael now, we'll jump into that topic, because I feel like with Michael being so sidelined in this movie, and we focused more on Corey, a new character, that was kind of a turnoff for me in this movie, to be honest. I wanted more Michael, um, because this is Halloween Ends, this is the end of Laurie and Michael's story, and it felt like Michael didn't really have a presence in the film until the final act. Um, so do you feel like Michael was handled correctly in this movie? Did you want more? Or did you like that he was kind of sidelined a little bit? I, like you said, I, the kind of end sequence, you know, the, the, the showdown with him, with Michael and Lori in the house, that was one of my favorite parts because it was, it felt like Halloween. You had Michael Myers and Lori and everything that was going on there. Um, I was for the large majority of the movie, very confused, or I felt like it was lacking his presence. Um, he kind of mm-hmm. showed up in different spots here and there, as you know, as far as his his storyline intersected with Corey's. But I do, th- I would have liked to see more of him. Um, and I, hearing you talk about the other other movies and how these kind of pay homage to them and kind of tie in some of the things there, I guess it makes a little more sense. But at the same time, you know, I I didn't know any of that stuff, and so I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, well. Where's Michael Myers? You know, even the opening mm-hmm. sequence, I was expecting to see Michael come into that house instead of what happened. 
and just kind of really waiting for that. And like you said, maybe it's because it, it is the kind of end of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. And I, I just, I, I would have liked to see more of him. Um, mm-hmm. I see his point in the storyline and how he you know, worked with Corey and everything like that. And, and I, I get where it was going, but you know, it's, it's the end of, of that story in that trilogy. So I, I definitely feel like I wanted to see more of him. Um, that's kind of a little disappointing, but at the same time, they tried to do something a little bit different. And I think it did help to paint a bigger picture of how I think they were trying to make a point of saying, or, 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 you know, getting across that the evil, um, is contagious or the evil can control you if you don't let it just in has, you know, Corey goes in that, that sewer and then Michael grabs him by the throat, looks him in the eyes. And then all of a sudden Corey starts to, you know, kind of go off the rails, but, you know, having Michael be that um, kind of starter or that, you know, ignite that inside of Corey, I think was also them trying to say like, Hey, look, you know, at the end of the movie, Michael Myers might not be here. However, that evil will still exist. So evil will still be perpetuated in different ways here and there. Um, So again, I would like to see more of them, but I think they were trying to create a bigger story Mm -hmm. by using him, sidelining him and using him in different ways than rather than the, you know, him being the main bad guy per se throughout most of the movie. So, you know, it would have been nice, but at the same time, I'm not, complete like entirely upset about how he was involved yeah um i mean the title is halloween ends so you would think michael's gonna be a big presence i think that was just a disappointment for me i felt like a lot of the time watching this movie i was like okay this is enough of Corey. i want michael like where is michael like fuck this Corey kid yeah but i agree with what you said too and uh i will talk about the final showdown in a little bit but i did like i did like that final moment those final moments between Laurie and Michael. Um, I just wish we had more momentum of them confronting each other throughout the film. Uh, it was just kind of like he just popped up in her house and then they whooped each other's asses for a little bit. So let's just jump into the supporting cast. So we have Andy Matichak back as Laurie's granddaughter. Um, Corey, who's a new character who we just talked about. Um, did you like the return of the granddaughter? Did you like... Corey at all in this movie did you like some of the other supporting cast members i felt like with this movie a lot of like supporting characters didn't really stand out in my brain yeah i mean i think you had you had allison and Corey as the main supporting characters um with their corny love story. i <laughs> they're, well that's the thing i didn't realize and you can correct me if i'm wrong but this happens over multiple years right mm. like this t- takes place multiple no, years like, no they just said the movie takes place October 2022. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I thought that, you know, we have the initial scene with Corey in the house and the kid, and then later. Oh, we that see... part. T- yeah, that part in the beginning takes well, place like a couple years before. Right, but then I was confused. I just I thought it was super um, crazy how she just met this guy, invited him to a party, and then they're dating and they're running away together like instantly almost. But then I thought it happened over multiple years where, you know, one year they're going to this party and the next year they're going to a different thing for Halloween or together. And the next year is all has happened. So I guess I was wrong about that, but I didn't really like that part of it where it's like it happened so fast mm-hmm. and they kind of touched on it, you know, talking about how they thought they felt a connection to each other. But at the same time, it's like, no, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't like that whole part of it. Um, I did like, 
um, Corey's kind of story where, you know, he's, he's a decent kid. This terrible things happen. He gets blamed for all this stuff. And then he deals with the, all the repercussions of that. And like you said earlier, kind of diving into some of the mental health implications and dealing with some of that trauma and the stress and mm-hmm. being, uh, um, outcast and having to deal with people looking at him a certain way and then how they tie that into Allison's story too, just being the granddaughter of Laurie Strode and everything and how they kind of found solace in each other. Um, I, I, I thought they all did a good job, but it still was kind of tainted by that desire to see Michael and Laurie and the whole time I'm like, all right, what, I don't care about these people. Like, yeah. give me, give me what I want, what I want. I want to see this story. I don't want this whole other thing going on. So I think it all felt really accelerated. And at the same time, it just felt like it was distracting from what I wanted to be the main kind of story, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I felt like they, everybody did. I think the acting all around was pretty well done. Um, I think everybody did a good job. But I just couldn't get over the fact that we're focusing on a new, brand new character in the final movie and Allison um, and their complicated love story. And it's like, like you said, it's just like, what the hell? I don't want to watch this. Like as the movie was going on, I kept looking at my watch and I go to the Alamo theater here. So they they serve you while you watch the movie. And like 45 minutes before the movie ends, they do a final call. And it was at the four, I see the servers doing final call and it's still like Allison and Corey on a motorcycle, like falling in love with uh. each other. And I'm like, wait a minute, 45 minutes are left and we're still watching this shit. Like, where's Jamie? Where's Michael? You know? Um, yeah. Like you said, Corey, uh, he wasn't as hateable as he could have been. I feel like characters like him usually are the most like hateable character in a movie people tend to not like characters like Corey, but i thought the actor who played him played him in a more realistic vulnerable way so it was kind of easier to connect and root for him in some ways um but as the movie progressed the less you rooted for him but um but i thought it was crazy too like how the movie started with Corey and that babysitting kerfuffle that happened where he accidentally kills the child that was that was so shocking to me were yeah. you shocked watching that 100 percent. i was sitting there Again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'm sitting there waiting for Michael to show up. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I did not expect that at all. I think my jaw dropped to the floor. It was just absolutely crazy. That was nuts. That was nuts. And I really don't like seeing kids die in movies. And uh, it was pretty brutal the way he died. Yeah. Like, yeah. people gasped in the movie theater when I was watching it. People, one guy in the back was like, oh, fuck. Like, everybody was, like, freaking <laughs> out. I do think, you know, that was a... a good way to start his storyline and kind of show you like here here's this thing happened and they introduced him well as far as how he interacted with the family and i like that we got to see the family later too and even hear from the dad you know and talk about the dad again that that uh mental health and that trauma healing stuff like that where you know later in the movie he comes up to him he's like yeah i was was ready to pull over and talk to him and tell him that you know everything's okay and i forgive him and blah blah whatever of course it didn't go that way because at that point Corey was consumed by the evil and whatnot but that was another cool thing where we got to see all that happen to them and then you know see also the parents a few years later and how they dealt with it because the mom she dealt with it completely the other way you know she was still pissed off and upset I mean understandably but you know she was still not quite at an okay place with what was going on as opposed to the dad too so yeah it would definitely was a shocking opener and uh really caught me off guard, but I think it ended up tying well into Corey's story and everything that kind of happened and what mm-hmm. led him to, you know, 
end up where he did. Yeah. Do you think this movie, we already talked about it and it's on the list, but overall, would you say this movie was kind of like the Corey movie? <laughs> this, like, was oh, yeah. he the lead and was it too focused on him? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think it also, I also, I read online whether, again, what this is one of those things, I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, you might know differently, but I think they were trying or planning to do like a spinoff with Corey. I think he, you know, at the end of the movie when he uh, ends up with a knife in his throat on the ground, bleeding out, I think they were going to, I think, I again, I read, I don't know if it's true or not, but they wanted to leave him there and then maybe cut to the, you know, the floor being nothing on the floor. Like he got away, like they do with Michael sometimes. You think Michael's dead or whatever, and he's gone. So I think they were planning on maybe doing something with him where he got away and doing his own kind of spinoff thing. But of course, we know that didn't end because Michael came and wrecked his life. But uh, so I think, yes, it did feel like a, a you know, a, a, a Corey movie. Um, and I think it's an interesting choice in a last movie, especially where you're going to introduce this new character and try to flesh out a whole storyline with him and then end up killing him in the end of the movie, too which just as we talked about before took away from Michael and what we wanted to see really, I think. So I, again, I think it had its purpose and I think they were trying to prove a further point about the infectious nature of the evil that is Michael Myers, but it did feel like it just kind of took away from what we really wanted to see. Yep. There's really nothing else for me to say. You just took the words out of my fucking face. (laughs) Because I agree with everything you said. And the idea of Corey getting his own spinoff sounds god-awful. Like, I would not want to go see that. No shade to the actor who plays Corey, but you can find another venture out there. You're dead anyway in the movies, so there's no way it's going to happen. But it is Halloween, and people always come back, and there's, what, five different alternate timelines now with all the sequels? So they can create a new timeline and bring them back, I'm sure. But um, enough about Corey. I'm I'm sick of him. Let's talk about michael and laurie finally and let's talk about that showdown that was everything i wanted it to be seeing michael and laurie duke it out for the final time my thoughts going into that final duel is like actually let me backtrack so Corey is involved with what i want to say so when laurie's in her room upstairs after Corey goes on his killing spree and she fakes that suicide um you know what i'm talking about when she like calls uh, yeah. fakes call or she calls nine one one. And then uh, she shoots a pumpkin and you think it's like blood. I knew something was up. Some the per- My friend I went with, he's like, oh my God, did she just kill herself? I was like, nope. Jamie and I go way back. She wouldn't kill herself. <laughs> but uh, And then the door creaks open and she's a bad bitch standing there. She's like, you really think I'd kill myself, motherfucker? And then shoots him. I was like, hell yeah. Um, and then Michael comes into the house. And that's when I think that's when you can see the terror in Lori. But she's also like, all right, I'm ready for this. I don't care if I live or die at this point. Like She's like, this is our final showdown. Um, and I think with Lori too, going into that, she's like, either we're dying together or you're dying alone. Like, there's no way you're coming out of this house alive. Uh, and my thoughts also while they were fighting for one, she's got a lot of knives in that kitchen. She kept pulling (laughs) knife after knife after knife. Uh, two, she's just so smart. And I, the thing I love about Lori in this movie too, is she's wearing the same exact outfit she is in, in the original Halloween movie. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so, and her hair is in a style very similar to the 1978 version of herself. Yeah, what were your thoughts, before we talk about the death of Michael, what were your thoughts about, like, the showdown between Laurie and Michael? I did, again, tying it back into the difference we see in Laurie between Halloween Kills and now in Halloween Ends. 
she kind of took a way different approach to it. Cause in the last one, you know, mm-hmm. she had that house and she was loaded up. She had traps, she had weapons, she had all the stuff she thought she needed to take care of Michael. And she was, you know, she was coming back with a vengeance to get him. Um, in this one, it was just kind of, you know, here I am in my house. You're going to come get me and I'm going to deal with this as I do. And like you said, you could see the terror in her and the way she acted, but she had been in the situation before and she kind of was, I think, prepared in a better way where mm-hmm. you know in the last one she went way over the top and i think she just did too much and it ended up poorly for her and her family too but i think this was just kind of like all right you know more of accepting of the situation and then doing what she could to kind of get out of it you know and mm-hmm. uh i like that there was a lot of back and forth as in like it wasn't just michael completely dominating her or her just messing you know messing with michael it was a lot of back and forth and they kind of had that you know, more of a battle and less of a, here I am hurting you. You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the dominant one in here. So it was cool to see him go back and forth because that's really the whole premise, you know, is, is him yeah. versus her and their, their, their fight and the balance between the two of them. And even just like, you know, recalls to other movies where she picks up that knitting needle and for she had yeah. stabbed him with it, but he's like, Nope, not this time. And he catches it and stops it, you know, same with the garbage disposal. That was in another yep. Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. there you go yeah so I, I i did really like the final showdown and, and i like that it wasn't too easy for one side or the other mm-hmm. and i you know uh, for all of the flaws in the movie and the fact that they kind of got away from that storyline that was i think the best part to see them together in that house again and you know either even times when there, you had that kind of terror yourself watching because she's stuck in the kitchen cupboard or whatever you know she's scared and waiting for him to come find her and then of course she she tricks him and gets out of there and whatnot but it did really feel as in like you know it felt scary again yeah as opposed to the last one like she was just ready for it you know she's like all right just come get me but this one it did feel a little bit scary there's a lot more tension and so i did i really yeah. like that that final showdown yeah and i think what was cool too about this is like in the 2018 movie where she is like you said very prepared her house is a trap they lock him in the basement set the house on fire it doesn't kill him she thought she was mentally prepared, but she wasn't. She was still unhinged. It showed the how vulnerable she still as a person as a person because she was so scared. She was like so determined to kill him. Whereas this time, you she had more confidence in herself, and she just used the bare bone basics to kill him. Um, it wasn't about Lori. You could see the conf- You could see the different version of Lori this time, and this was the right version of Lori to kill Michael because she was so confident in the original Halloween movie. So how could an unhinged Lori kill Michael? She had to go back to her roots. And I think like the death of her daughter reset her mind, knowing that she has a granddaughter to look after because her granddaughter lost both her parents to Michael. So I think all that in the time four years later, post Halloween kills, I think she had a lot of time to sit down and find Lori again. And she did. And that's the Lori that will kill Michael, not a Lori that's terrified and, struggling with PTSD because of Michael, because that way he'll win. You mentioned it, sorry to cut you off there, but mm-hmm. you mentioned it too, the the scene in her, with her in her, you know, her office and she calls the the police and then she fakes her, her suicide there. I, I was on the opposite side where like, I was nervous. I'm like, okay, something's going on here. And I really thought she had done it when she shot the pumpkin. Up until that point, I was like, nah, she's just faking, faking. And then when the pumpkin kind of like exploded in the sounds and you saw the splash and everything. I, for a second, it really did give me, I was like, Oh my gosh, she actually did it. And of course then yeah. she opens the door and she's there. But 
for a second there, I, that one actually got me. I was like, oh my gosh, because we have been dealing with, you know, the PTSD and the trauma and, the, and then everything that comes with that. And I'm like, you know, I, okay, wow. Like, you know, at this point in time, she's come to that position where that's how she feels. And that's the choice she took, which, you know, I, it, I think it was one reason that it worked so well is because it, it was totally possible. Like, I think it would have been feasible to, for that to happen too. But of course we get a really great, you know, outcome from that instead of her actually killing herself but i was on the other end like i said i actually for a second i was like oh my gosh did that just happened and then of course here she's there, she's there with the gun and, and shoots him and stuff but i just wanted to touch on that too just to kind of offer the other side well the reason why i knew she didn't kill herself is because she was actually on the phone with me in that scene and she oh, was right, like right, right. there's a cut scene she's like bitch i ain't gonna kill myself i was like oh okay <laughs> so i already knew what was gonna happen i was like okay no, but I feel like if that really was how Lori was going to go, that would have been the shittiest ending. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been yeah. so bad. I would have been pissed. I don't think I would have finished the movie. I'd be like, that's how Lori goes out. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the death of an icon. We've never seen Michael finished off this permanently in a Halloween movie. So what do you think of Michael's death? There really is no way for him to come I... back from this. And, you know, I, it's the whole myth or, you know, legend of Michael Myers where we see him, we've seen him killed and brutalized and destroyed and, and terrible things happen to him. Absolutely terrible things that you could not come back from. Of course, he comes back from them. Um, and I'm sure there'd been some way, you know, if they would have left him there in that kitchen table, maybe he would have come back or whatnot. But um, I think the scene was very powerful. Um, in the sense that, you know, the whole town came together to bring him there and the whole town was there while it happened and Lori's there and then disposing of everything after the fact. So, you know, that aspect of it where it's like, okay, we're all here together. We've all experienced this trauma and this stress and this terrible thing and let's put an end to it together. I thought that was super cool to see that happen. Um, but I also think it's cool because we did get a more um, intimate for lack of a better word, or personal moment with Laurie and Michael. Cause you know, it is mm-hmm. throughout the whole, the whole series and all the movies and stuff. It is a, a story of conflict between the two of them, but at the same time they're connected to each other. Somehow they are like she, Michael is part of Laurie's life and it's something that she's lived with her whole entire life. So having that kind of intimate end in her kitchen where they have that moment together again, kind of sounds weird to use that word, but I, I think it was great to see that personal kind of finale or end to their relationship but then also at the end afterward where the whole town comes together to get rid of this you know uh curse or this you know this boogeyman this plague that's been destroying them for so long i thought it was really you know it did really kind of tie that bow on everything and it it just was really powerful yeah no i agree i did think it was low-key a little corny how they drove him on the top of the roof to the greater (laughs) it kind of looked like he was just roadkill that they tied to the top um of the car but yes i liked i liked that it wasn't just Lori stabbing him to death essentially on her kitchen counter uh slicing his wrist and shit and throat because it was like that wouldn't have been permanent we need to see like you need to like chop his head you need to chop him up in a million pieces and then that's what she did she threw him into a yeah greater thing and seeing his head explode just shows like yeah this is the final michael is never coming back from this and you just saw the relief like the 44 years of relief on <laughs> Lori's face seeing his body just get mushed up do you think this really will be the final halloween movie 
like they're saying it is? I I would like that, as weird as it sounds to say. I think, it again, it is that nice kind of bow. We tied everything up nicely, and we had the finality and the resolution to that kind of story. Um, would I be upset to see more Halloween movies that have Michael Myers in it? Not entirely, but... You know, it is. I think it is an end to Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. Not that he couldn't come back in a different timeline or, you know, another iteration. But I mean, Michael Myers is a staple in horror and thrillers, and it's such a, a classic and a legend and, and something else that I, you know, I don't think can be done any better in some respects. So, I mean, yes and no. Yes, because I like the the finality of it. I like the closure. But no, because I I do love the characters and the storyline and everything of Halloween. So I. I don't know. I I don't know. We could see, we could see another rendition of everything, or it could be could be over. I I don't. I'm not sure. I would say there will be another version at some point. Just in our lifetime, I'm sure we'll see another iteration of Halloween. This is Jamie Lee Curtis's final movie. She's not coming back, and that's I don't blame her. But um, not to say she had a bad experience, but she you know she got the closure she, closure she needed. Um, I personally don't want to see any more Halloween movies, but this movie's been like topping the box office. All of them have, uh, in this new trilogy. So it's like, yeah, they're probably going to at some point bring this back. I just kind of wish like this point Halloween ends, they just like leave the series alone now, like tell newer horror films because this, these movies, like if you Halloween 1978, people still watch that every Halloween, you know, like Halloween is never going to go away. Michael Myers is never going to go away. But when you keep bringing him back over and over again, the story's going to get dampened. The legacy's going to get dampened. Um, personally, more of the story is they've already tried to remake the original movie with Rob Zombie, and it was terrible. And it's like, I just leave it alone. You know, like, we don't need to see any more of this story. Personally, that's how I feel. Yeah. How would you rank this movie, Halloween Ends, compared to the other two in the in the trilogy? Would you say this is the best, worst, in between? Uh, I'd probably put this one in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'd give Halloween the first spot and then this one and then I'd put Halloween Kills at the end. Ditto because of fucking Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I would really you know what I would have loved to have seen in Halloween ends? Not Corey. Two hours of just Lori and Michael punching each other. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> we don't need a real story. I just want them to beat the shit out of each other for two hours. That's why we're all here. Right. Wouldn't that be good? I would like to see that. I guess they got to make another one now. No. They no. blew their okay. chance. Right. They blew their chance. <laughs> they, they ruined it. There's no going back. You're right. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate this movie? Uh, I'd give it like a 7. A 7? I would say 6. 6. I think 6. But in a, like objectively as a movie by itself, it might be a little bit lower. But because it's that tail end of the trilogy and kind of the the tying off of the story and everything that, that led up to this point, I think gives it a little higher rating for me anyways. Oh, you're right. Uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I usually do is ask my guest, as you're familiar with, are there any new movies you watch, TV shows, any albums you listen to books you read, anything you'd like to suggest or recommend for our audience to check out? Yeah. I haven't been watching a lot of television, um, but once a week, I've been trying to make it to the movie theater. So I've been seeing a lot of movies as they come out. Um, actually, today, I mentioned earlier, the movie I'm going to go see, I'm going to go see um, My Policeman. So I don't have any 
uh, rating for it yet because I haven't seen it yet. But I'm about to go see that. Um, a few good ones I've seen recently. Uh, Don't worry, darling. That was really good. Oh, did you um, see that one? I did. Yeah, that was good. I watched Barbarian. I loved Barbarian. That creeped me out, which in a good way. I, I keep. I was telling my friends. I thought it was an awful movie. Like it, it scared me and it was super creepy. But it was such a good movie because of the way it made me feel, if that makes sense. Um, and I know this one came out a while ago too. But and I think you and I talked about it personally. But uh, one I really can't get away from, which also has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, is uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes, I love that. Movie. I've been thinking about that a lot since I saw it. So I know it's not it's not recent or new, but that's a really good one. And those other ones I'd recommend as well. That that movie's still on my list to talk about on the show, and it's just like I have to. Like, I feel like I need to watch that movie at least three more times before I can yeah. feel confident in talking about that movie. Um, yeah, it was very are, good. But you're a big reader too. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading a book. It's called "The House in the Cerulean Sea." Um, the last book I read was called "The Atlas Six. Who's the book you're reading currently? Reading. TJ Klune. I was going to say, I've heard that book. I've read, um, I have another book of his. I have his book, Under the Whispering Door. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list to read. Yeah. So I'm reading that one now. Um, yeah, I'm just, just trying to get through things here and there, reading things like that. So that's what I'm reading nice. right now, currently. Nice. Well, I was going to say, I don't really have a suggestion this week, but I was thinking. It's been a busy week, but I started the new American Horror Story season, which I know I'm still young, but it makes me feel old because they're on season 11 already. And the first season came out my first year of college, 12, 11 years ago. So it's like, holy shit. Um, I they're on 11 already. Wow. They would have been on 12, but they skipped a year because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Jesus. But uh, yeah, it was good. It just started this week. Very um, slow paced. It's set in the 80s um, with the, the gay community. Uh, I don't know. There's a movie called Cruising from the early 80s with Al Pacino where he is a detective and there's murders in the gay community and he's going into these um, bars and stuff to figure out who it is. It's a very like sexual, like over the top movie and this that show the season is playing an homage to that and several other horror films of the 80s so i really love that time period too and it's cool to see new york city in the 80s um so it's a decent season i'll check i recommend it i mean there's only two episodes so it might get bad but (laughs) so far it's decent um and i'm also uh since it's halloween time i always try to rewatch i'm rewatching the haunting of hill house again so i love that that's so good Mm -hmm. midnight mass is good too is that uh giant Depp? no it's from the same creators of the haunting of hill house it came out last year on netflix i haven't heard of that i watched hill house and i watched blair manor also i wouldn't Missed the opportunity to talk about what happened yesterday, which is the release of Taylor Swift's new album, Midnights. You're I've been jamming that a lot. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. This might be controversial, but I'm not. That's okay. I understand. <laughs> I wasn't I was, always this way. I wasn't always this way. I, get I was out in Boys Town with some friends, and we're waiting in this long-ass fucking line to go dance. And then we caught wind. It's Taylor Swift night. And I was like, fuck this shit. I was in line for like an hour. <laughs> I was like, we're going somewhere else. I'm not going to dance to Taylor Swift tonight. Dang. You can't shake your no, ass to that. Yeah. Fair. Valid. I do well, like this album, though. It's really good. Is it? What's it called? Midnight? Midnights. 
Oh, Midnights. Multiple Midnights. Okay. Well, Kent, thank you for coming on, and I want you back on soon, so we'll figure out what to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about one of the movies you named off, maybe The Policeman or whatever you, you're going to see. The Policeman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My Policeman, yeah. So, yeah, everybody... I will actually be back quicker than normal because uh, this coming Monday is Halloween and my friend Claire is coming on and we're going to talk about the evolution of horror movies from starting from Nosferatu in 1922 to today. So it's going to be a really fun, spooky Halloween episode on Halloween Day. So check that out. Um, thanks again, Kent, for coming back on. You know, I love you so much and I miss you and I will actually be seeing you soonish in person. Yeah, glad we could, glad we could chat. I love you back and I'm excited to hang out again. I'll come in and get a coffee. <laughs> ah, there you go. All right. Pumpkin spice. Yeah, I'm on keto. Well, no, I'll be off keto. <laughs> okay, good. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Let's Be Real every Thursday wherever podcasts can be found, if you dare.